the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Thank you so much for joining us on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, delighted to have you with us. Our co-host, Carol Zerniel, on special assignment today. And filling in is our regular fill-in, Tina Smith. And as always, we are delighted to have Tina with us. She's Director of Caregiver Program Operations at the WellMed Charitable Foundation. Tina has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in social gerontology. She's worked with seniors and caregivers for more than 30 years within the long-term care industry at the Bear Area Agency on Aging, and here in San Antonio at the WellMed Charitable Foundation. She also served as an adjunct instructor with Kaplan University. And Tina Smith, I know uh, the topic we're taking up today, Alzheimer's disease, symptoms, stigma, and sexual expression. You get a lot of questions from the caregivers with whom you work about sex and Alzheimer's. Absolutely. It's it's a sensitive subject and uh, a lot of caregivers aren't sure how to deal with it. And a lot of family members, uh, you know, other family members aren't quite sure what to do with that. And so I'm, I'm very interested in, in talking to Dr. Oliver today. Uh, we'll put him on a bus and send them to talk to Natalie, our special <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> guest. Our, our guest today is uh, Dr. Natalie, Natalie Oliver. Uh, she has a doctorate in social work. She's a clinical social worker and gerontologist, teaches full time at Tarleton State University's Waco campus in the School of Social Work. She's also an adjunct professor at McLennan Community College in the Nursing Home Administration Program, and she is an advocate for those affected by Alzheimer's disease. That's a passion of hers, and she's volunteered with the Alzheimer's Association in a number of capacities since 2007. And Natalie Oliver, thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. And you had shared with us off the air that uh, you also serve as a caregiver. Your mom and dad now live with you and your husband. And your dad, as you said, is in the mid-stage of Alzheimer's disease. Yes, he is. They they moved in in October. And it's funny to to um, practice what you preach as a su- supposed um, knowledgeable person in this area and then to actually live it. So it's been quite a journey and uh, giving me a new sense of empathy that I didn't even know I was going to reach for the caregivers that are out there. I was going to ask, what has that taught you about the things that you were teaching others? It definitely taught me to maybe um, bring down a little bit of arrogance, thinking I'm really smart. (laughs) It also taught me that, you know, you read the stuff, but it just being a caregiver makes it more real. And just, you know, I catch myself sometimes thinking, I'm reacting one way and this is not how I'm educating others. But then it reminds me that we're human. We're human and we put a lot of pressure and a lot of guilt 
and to just forgive myself and to just move forward. And like I tell my parent, uh, like I tell my clients, you know, forgive yourself, treat yourself like you would treat your friends. So I'm having to learn to do that myself. And how does your mom deal with all the attention your dad has to get because of the nature of his disease? <laughs> well, I won't go too deep, but let me just tell you, she, she has been, my mother was a housewife. She has been a caregiver. Um, my dad's twin sister has schizophrenia. She has been a caregiver for her. Um, she's now in a facility, but my mom just has this innate caregiver and nurturer in her. And, um, you know, but I have had to fight her to say, let me help. You know, there's this thing with the spouse saying, I married you. I'm supposed to be doing all of this. And so for me, you know, it's also hard that dynamic. I'm the adult child. Um, but then she doesn't see me as someone who's worked with Alzheimer's and dementia. I'm her baby girl and I'm trying to tell her what to do. So we have all these dynamics going into place, but she is finally opening up to letting me help her and, and being okay with, you can go still do things with friends and it doesn't mean you don't love him and you're not a caregiver. And, and that is such an important message as well. See, the hang up is that darn in sickness and in health and the marriage vows. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I'm thinking maybe I need to change my vows. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, it is. And I think there's just this um, thing that a lot of caregivers get into of no one else can do it as well as I can. And I'm definitely not an arrogant thing. Just a, I know this person and I love this person in a way that others don't. And so really just trying to educate. It's okay. I may not do exactly what you're doing, but I can take care of them. So you can have that respite and take that break. And share with us, because you do a lot of presentations and counseling on the issue of symptoms, stigma, and sexual expression. Give us the overview on Alzheimer's and all of that. Definitely. Um, It's just what I learned when I was doing support groups and doing counseling on the side and such was that, you know, people would talk to me. They may not say the word sex, but they're hinting on intimacy and just the dynamics of the role changes and the things that have changed. And so it just got me to looking into stigma and and the reality of it. And that, you know, because I would hear all the time couples that had other couples that were friends, they finally open up to say, hey, my spouse has Alzheimer's. And then people just kind of depart. They kind of, they, they, there is this stigma that not only happens to the person with dementia, but they also have what's called courtesy stigma. Wow. So those, you know, the spouse gets that stigma as well. And really we have this in our society, you know, we see things in social media, we see things in birthday cards, we see all these things and I'm guilty. I've laughed at some of those things too, but then when we stop and think about it, what is that saying? And what it's saying is that it's unusual to still um, be cognitively intact at a certain age. And so I wanted to bring about that awareness that we all know Alzheimer's is not a normal part of aging and sexual expression does not go away. And there are different ways that we can express ourselves. Now, hold that thought. I want to let folks know who may have just joined us. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Tina Smith, filling in for Carol Zerniel. And we're talking from Waco, Texas, with Dr. Natalie Oliver. She has a doctorate in social work, a clinical social worker and gerontologist. And we're talking about uh, the overriding impact of Alzheimer's, not only on an individual, but Natalie, I think one of the things that doesn't get enough attention is that Alzheimer's affects everybody in a family. 
Yes, it is. You know, as a therapist, I always say families keep therapists in business because <laughs> it does. It, it impacts the whole person. And so, you know, it's so it's amazing when I'm doing presentations and I'll say, we know those loved ones that fly in from another state that come in and, and want to take over and they've read something online and then they, and they know everything. And you see families shake their head yes. Or you have that one that's the day in and day out caregiver that is not feeling appreciated and is worn out. And so you just, you do, you have all of these family dynamics where, um, you know, I just think there's something now that I'm on this side of living with it. I think that that is you, there's definitely a lot to learn and I'm appreciative of all research and, and literature that's out there, but there is a level of living with someone that you just don't get until you're living with them. And that, that's probably been the biggest learning um, thing that I've occurred. And so, yes, even working with my own sisters, you know, again, I am 48 years old, but I'm still the baby little sister that they remember running around acting crazy. So when I try to tell them something, this might be better, this, you know, they're like, whatever, you're just our baby sister. Mm-hmm. So you do, you have all these family dynamics that you bring into it. And that's even before just adding dementia or Alzheimer's on top of it. Tina? Right. That, I was going to say, you know, we we talked to a lot of caregivers and just because you have so much history in the family. I mean, they're the people that you've known the longest. And, and so it can be a challenge, uh, you know, just all of those moving pieces. And as you said, that dementia just really does impact the entire family, uh, it, you know, and it's, it's so hard to watch um, from whatever you know direction you're coming from. So what would what do you tell families? How do you tell them to best communicate with each other, how to best deal with some of those um those differences that that may pop up? Well, I definitely tell them to have a, we need to have a professional involved. And so whether that's having a family meeting, I, I am a strong advocate of education. Get educated on the disease. It is not what you see in the movies. It is not some joke you've heard to get educated on the different stages. And, you know, the, the quote that I love and say all the time is once you've met someone with Alzheimer's, you've met one person with Alzheimer's and to really kind of absorb what that means. It's, it's very individual and it's very different. And one of the hardest things that is coming across is saying, okay, someone may be lucid one day. You hear that all the time. Nothing's wrong with my loved one, but it's like, okay, wait a minute, stay around another day, spend some more time and you're going to see some differences. So I think a lot of it is education, having a professional involved, and also, you know, those personality types that are thinking about what they're going to say instead of listening, maybe turn that off and just listen and to really hear what someone is saying. I can't tell you how many times we've said to our little kids, you learn more by listening than by talking. Yes. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Because then you also get that nonverbal uh, communication and what are they saying? Is it matching what their body language is saying? And, and just really, you know, like I said, for instance, my mom is very independent and you hear that typical a lot with, I don't want to disrupt the, my adult children. And so just giving her that safe space and that, that freedom to say, you're not in this alone. You are not, you may be the primary caregiver, but you're not in this alone and giving that permission um, for that. And when you talk about intimacy uh, in couples that uh, one partner may have uh, Alzheimer's disease, uh, what direction does that intimacy take? And are people willing uh, to participate with their uh, spouse who may have Alzheimer's? 
Oh my goodness. That is, there are lots of answers to that. Um, what uh, some of the things would I will talk about with, I mean, we have these such many issues. Some are, well, I'm not, I'm his caregiver. I'm not attracted to him anymore, or I'm her caregiver. I'm not attracted or the person with dementia or Alzheimer's living in facility thinks another member there is their spouse and their loved one. So that again, is coming back to that communication, that trust, that safe space with your family and talking about what's going on and remembering. I always tell family members, it's not about what you're wanting. It's not about what makes you feel more comfortable. What is the person with dementia and their spouse? What's best for them? We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Stick with us. If you've just joined us, you listen to Caregiver SOS on air. I'm Ron Aaron. Tina Smith filling in today for Carol Zerniel, and we're talking with Dr. Natalie Oliver, a doctorate in social work and a clinical social worker. We find her up in Waco, Texas, and we're learning a lot about Alzheimer's stigma, sexual expression, and symptoms. Stick with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We are so pleased you are sticking with us right here on Caregiver SOS on Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Tina Smith, who is filling in today for Carol Zerniel. Our special guest, Dr. Natalie Oliver. Uh, Dr. Oliver, a specialist in a variety of issues involving clinical social work and gerontology, Alzheimer's disease, symptoms, stigma, and sexual expression is what we're talking about. And, and Dr. Oliver, you had mentioned uh, about someone who is in an institution uh, thinking that someone there uh, one of the other patients is their spouse. A uh, woman who works with the Wellman Charitable Foundation helps run one of the senior centers. Uh, Peaches is her name. Uh, used to manage a care, memory care facility. And she told the story about buying into what it is someone with Alzheimer's disease is fantasizing about. And she talked about a patient uh, she had who kept saying that he really wanted to spend time with a cheerleader. He was back to his days in high school. And so uh, what what Peaches did, uh, talked to the man's spouse, got her a cheerleader uniform, and she wore it, came to the clinic, and the guy was ecstatic. And it worked out perfectly for the two of them. Uh, you're smiling, and I can see you via Zoom. <laughs> Folks on the radio now can, can hear you laughing. Uh, but it, it worked out so beautifully, and it made such sense. Definitely. I think it's about... When you're dealing with someone with Alzheimer's or dementia, it's meeting them where they are. A lot of times you hear about validation therapy and and we don't need to go into reality. We don't need to correct them. We don't need them to go over losses and, and, and go through those experiences over and over and validating where they are and where they feel. And I love that the spouse had the sense of humor and had the openness to do those things because what that tells me is that exactly what the literature that we do have says the intimacy is not about actually sex. And so intimacy can just be the dressing up, 
the the hygiene, taking care of oneself, the reminiscing and talking about it. All of the intimacy can just be touched. You know, I talk a lot about those living in nursing facilities. The only time they're getting touched is when they're getting dressed, bathed, or toileted. What about that touch that we all humans need of just holding hands, rubbing lotion on the hands, just being next to someone? So I love that idea of the meeting his need. That was his fantasy, and she she did she did it because she loves him, and I love that. And when people come to you uh, and say, you know, my husband's uh, in an institution, uh, I, I've started an affair with somebody else. Doesn't really matter because he doesn't know anything. What do you say to them? I definitely, you know, first of all, my values as a social worker and just my personality is definitely not going to judge. My, I want anyone to feel comfortable talking to me. But it's also what what was your relationship like before? How are you coping with it? What makes you feel better? What would you want them to do in that situation? And I read a term when I was doing a bunch of reading about sexual advanced directives. And I love that. And I really try to talk to couples, talk about what if the what if scenarios, if this happens, what would you want me to do? And what would you want them not to do? And I've had clients that have gone through that same scenario. And it's we process it. We process how do you feel? And what will you do in that situation in the next time? And is this something you, you know, why do you feel you have to Talk to your adult children about it or, you know, just different things of really getting to what is going to bring their quality of life, because that's my goal. I like that concept, Tina. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's new to me of a sexual advance directive. I don't want a feeding tube, but maybe I'd like a boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, it's such a such a hard topic to talk about, really, in our society here in the United States. So it's not something that comes naturally. And I love the idea. I just recently heard uh, about a sexual uh, advance directive. And um, it's just it's it's a it's a gateway, a door to to open that conversation. And, um, you know, and I'm sure it's helpful for for the spousal caregivers, because one of the more stressful things about being a caregiver is just coming to terms with what role you are. Um, I've, I've heard, I had a caregiver tell me, she said, I feel 50% of the time I feel like his wife and 50% of the time I feel like his caregiver. And that's hard to bring a balance to. So I think some of the things that you were just talking about are perfect. Looking at the intimacy, giving a, a broader definition um, instead of such a narrow one. So yeah, what, would, I- what would be in a sexual uh, advance directive? Just talk, you know, those things exactly. If I get dementia, if if I um, have certain medical issues, w- would you still expect this? Here's what I'm thinking I would be capable of doing. And it's really just kind of like what the medical power of attorney or living wills of what we want and what we don't want. And just like those, those can be updated. And that's important to keep those updated to where you are at that stage of life. But I think just having that discussion you know, talking about it is so huge and saying, you know, if, if, if I do get it and I'm getting to where I don't recognize you, here's my thoughts on you, um, having relationships with someone else, or here's how I'm hoping we can still have intimacy. Just sit by me and hold my hand, but those kinds of things, that's, that's my opinion. Talk a little bit about, uh, the symptoms in, uh, uh, that folks may start to see, uh, in an aging society, and, and there, there are, of course, early onset 
uh, dementia, but mostly it's older people. What, what is it that uh, friends and family and loved ones first begin to notice? Sure. Well, um, first of all, in the United States, we have 6.2 uh, million Americans age 65 and over that have Alzheimer's, and that's supposed to double by 2050. That's not too far down the road. But some of the number one symptom that people, when they really start noticing, is that memory loss, that short-term memory loss. They can't remember things from earlier that day. Now, not the long-term from many moons ago, but that current and that recent memory. Or another major one that I hear a lot is they're not managing their money. They, they gave away some money or they're not paying their bills. Their bills aren't even open. They're not seeing anything wrong with that. Other things may be that just not involved in conversations anymore. They can't follow conversations. They're not um, really just able to participate. And then another common one, as you hear so often, is my mom and she's a good Christian lady. She never said such bad words. Total personality changes, saying things they used to not say, and just kind of coping with those. Those are some of the most common ones. And when you begin to see that, what do you do? Well, oh, we always, we really uh, talk to families about getting them to the doctor. We want to get the different assessments that they do. And they, the main thing they want to do is rule out, is it something else? You know, is if this, if this confusion was the onset was really quickly, is it delirium? Do they have a UTI? We know that's common in the aging population. So if you're seeing some of these symptoms, you don't sit there and say, hey, I think you have Alzheimer's. You say, <laughs> hey, let, you know, we need to get to the doctor and have our annual checkup and let's eliminate. Uh, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else. But definitely getting to that doctor to see, is it something else? You know, we call depression can used to be called pseudo dementia, many of the same symptoms. And so we might think someone's having dementia, but really they're depressed. Those and are common. something I hear you saying is uh, if it is dementia, it doesn't start overnight. It comes over a period of time. So if mom or dad or grandpa and grandpa suddenly start showing these symptoms, it may not be dementia. Definitely. Definitely. Yes, it's progressive brain disease. It is uh, slow over time. And so that's why it can be hard to notice if you're living with someone because, you you know, in society, we do dismiss it. We say, oh, I'm just getting a little older. I just forgot this. I forgot that. Or and different things like that. Or maybe if someone's losing the ability to follow a conversation, they're still able, able to say some of those words that it looks like they're still engaged in it, even when they're not. And when those symptoms appear, uh, you said, get help, go see someone. Mm-hmm. Who do you see? Do you find a neurologist? Do you start with your PCP, primary care physician? Where do you go? I definitely start with your primary care physician. They have that relationship. They know your history. They know uh, that they they just they know you. And so um, they may not be a uh, uh, someone who works with the aging population all the time, but they know you. And so that would be my first one. And then, yes, they might refer you out to someone else, a neurologist, a geropsychiatrist, any, someone else, but definitely start with them. They know you. They can start those first tests, you know, where they do the MMSC. Can you tell me who the president is? Those, those kinds of things. And just run some blood tests. Is it something else and things like that? So PCP. 
Yeah, and I would I would also say, you know, just, uh, you know, such good advice, Dr. Oliver, and just, you know, as a family member, you may, may need to be an advocate. Um, you know, sometimes you hear, you're, you're told, well, you're just getting older, so what do you expect? You know your family member, you know your loved one, and so if, if in your gut you're hearing or you're knowing that there's something wrong or there's something different or something going on, you know, you may have to step up and, and just really kind of push for those answers and push for further tests and maybe seeing a neurologist. It's um, definitely, I, um, I have, I tell a lot of my uh, family members to keep that journal, start writing it down. You need those, those specifics, those concrete specifics that they can share this. Do you see this pattern? Do you see what's going on? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If folks want to get a hold of you or follow what you're doing, uh, do you have a website they can go to? I have a Facebook page and it's, All's Education, so A L Z Education. It's on Facebook, and I A L Z for Alzheimer's. Yes, and um, I just you know I always saw one a, suppl- a supplement to the Alzheimer's Association website. They have an amazing website. Theirs is alz.org. Easy to follow, easy to read, updates. I would say my Facebook page is just a supplement. I talk about current events going on. I talk about things for caregivers. And I, of course, talk a lot about mental health on there. That is where you can keep up with me and what I'm doing. And also, let me jump. If I can just jump in just real quick, is also on our caregiver teleconnection program. These are hour-long learning sessions that we do on a variety of topics. But uh, Dr. Oliver was on there just earlier this month. And so you can, she she was able to dive deeper into this subject. And so if you're interested, you can go to our caregivertelekinnection.org and search for her name, and you'll be able to uh, listen to the session that she did just earlier. It said just more more of a deep dive. We Perfect. were just unfortunately Perfect. just able to touch on it today. And it was free. I like that. <laughs> it was free, yeah. <laughs> so, Dr. Oliver, thank you so much for being with us. For Tina Smith, on behalf of Carol Zerniel, I'm Ron Aaron. We thank you for being with us on Caregiver SOS on Air, and we will do it again. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com